You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the ProSound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath has asked us to read this. Have you noticed that all good things come in threes? XLR, AES, meat, cheese, and tortillas, Michael Lawrence, Chris Leonard, and Kyle Chernside, and now the Allen and Heath AHM Matrix family, AHM 64, AHM 32, and AHM 16. 96 kilohertz FPGA powered sonic powerhouses for projects of all sizes. Who says matrices have to be boring? Not us. We've never said that. Kyle said it once, but we proved him wrong. Check them out today. Welcome to the Signal to Noise podcast on Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Well, I haven't I actually haven't said that in a while, Chris. You you've been busy. You've been busy. Was it? Did it sound rusty? Uh, it's okay. I'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. <laughs> Can we let it go? I don't have to start yeah. over. <laughs> I mean, let's put it this way: people have bared with the same ad That's intro. True. Ad intro for the last like four That's months. True. So That's for true. everyone, regular listeners, I apologize for that. We're, we're working on getting our act together, and we'll get a new pre-roll in in, in here at some point. But you know. at some at some point, as always, I'm joined by my handsome and talented co-hosts, Mr. Kyle Chernside and Mr. Chris Leonard. What's up, fellas? Thank you for being Hello. here, Kyle. Hi. You look you look splendid in red, sir. Thank you. Splendid. Um, Sam Boone is is not with us this week. She's on tour. Uh, But we still have a lady with us. Uh, My my mentee from the Women's Audio Mission, uh, Silvana, is here. Uh, She's up this week. We've been like going and hiking and hanging out. So, Silvana, say hello to everybody. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Michael really just needed a personal trainer. I did. It's nice. I've been. She's been making me like go move around and be physical, like walk and get my steps in. So it's great. Um, Does she make you eat okay food? We no. no, No. Tonight she was like, "Hey, we should make burgers and mac and cheese," and I was like, "Yeah." (laughs) So we did. Um, So yeah, that's cool. I've been showing how the Italian folks eat here in in Rome, New York. Um, Huge portions. I yeah. I think y'all will hear this episode before we are out at the Nam show. Probably, right, yeah. Chris. Yeah, yeah for so sure. Come out and see us if you're going to be at Nam. Come out and see us. We're going to uh, well, half of us. Chris and I will be at the ProSound Web Loudspeaker Showcase. Chris is going to be the bass voiced MC. I'm going to be operating the uh, the console. Um, Alan Heath is providing an Avantis for it, which is going to be cool. I'm Kyle's going to be on and tour. Hold on. <laughs> more importantly, more importantly, we have stickers. I just ordered a thousand Singleton Noise uh, die cut stickers, and I yeah. want to give them away. So come see us, and I will give you fistfuls of stickers. Yep, and he's, he's, Jeff Holly's going to be out at the show. Of course, he's oh, yeah, a marketing guy, trade show extraordinaire. Yeah, but he's at all the trade shows that I've done recently. Holly hasn't been there, so he's going to be there. He's got stickers as well. So come see us get swagged up. You're welcome, Let's, by the way. I'm the one who told Holly, hey, you should I, get stickers. I, I think you've been doing a great job, Chris. I really appreciate that. You've also started the, uh, we have a, I don't, I haven't seen it. I don't do any of this nonsense, but the Instagram, we have an Instagram, I'm told. Uh, yes. So I'm sticking to the Discord. That's it. Yep. Awesome. Uh, that's cool. So I think that's 
I, let's get right into it, Chris. You were yeah, sending man. some texts about our guest. So who's our who's our guest this week? Yeah, so uh, we got JJ Revel. Which, if you uh, the episode that came out, well, what is today when uh, the eleventh? Uh, if you listen all the way to the end, the Rutabaga Club, um, you will, <laughs> <laughs> you will uh, have heard Kyle and I talk about what we're currently listening to. And I'm gonna briefly synopsis say what oh, I said. Yeah. Then is um, you know I've been listening to the new Under Oath album, which is called Voyeurist. Um, and the reason I'm even listening to that album um, is because my buddy. Matt Carter put out a podcast um, with the uh, labeled uh, called Deep Dive, and it's like cutting through each song of the album and like it's called deep diving and how it was recorded, what went into it uh, musically, lyrically, all the things. And for those who don't know, Under Oath, uh, uh, Under Oath. Under Oy. Under Oath has a interesting history of you know they blew up uh, in a good way um, and then went on hiatus or actually they thought they were done quite frankly um, hmm. and then um, decided to come back a couple of years ago did an album toured um, and it wasn't quite what they wanted it to be because of things and and whatever um, and this album is really what they think is the pinnacle of who they are and how they want to express and JJ was a part of helping produce and record that and then actually mix and work with them so that's the short version of that so JJ welcome welcome to the podcast thanks everybody pleasure to be here um, <laughs> the cool thing for people who have listened to long enough know Kyle uh, you toured with Under Oath both on Chasing Safety and Define the Great Line right no just uh, uh, Define <laughs> so the Great Line change? and oh. I did uh, a two week thing with them but I also did a tour with them with uh, uh, Times of Grace uh, which was the dudes from Killswitch Engage oh, yeah. before Jesse came back back in the day um was ludicrous with a ludicrous before they were norma jean when you guys were together was that different tours all, all together different tour all together oh, okay, so then right. yeah we did a solid state tour with zeo living sacrifice the ludicrous and um this crazy band in in st petersburg play, uh theater played and they were called under oath and uh, <laughs> i was like wow these guys are really good it was crazy but Maniacs. yeah I've, I've i've had little things with them here and there man some of the greatest dudes ever for real like agreed 100%. I, I i enjoy every single member of that band and their different personalities when they go on stage it was like fire and uh yeah. especially i loved the opening of define the great line and i love doing that tour because it just knocks people on their ass immediately oh yeah it's, it's such a great album Absolutely. welcome to the show yeah thanks so much for having me man Sorry, yeah. I uh, couldn't make last week work. <laughs> no, it, it's 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 all good. Actually, it, up, it was a good time for Colin out to hang. It, it yeah, worked out really well. Yeah. Good. So, speak, speaking of the energy, that's that's really where I want to go because, and this is really what caught me. And I encourage people to go listen to the deep dive um, podcast series with um with Matt Carter. And uh, you know, Under Oath is such this raw energy live band. Um, and the thing that ca- you know, what I gathered from that podcast was like you were somewhat tasked with okay how do we how do we bring that to the album um so i'm yeah. curious what was your approach there to bring that rawness that energy that under oath is to an album and i'm actually as we walk through it i'm curious what it was it like to see full circle to see that actually 
do live shows after having been able to be able to put all that together. Oh. We'll start. Yeah. <laughs> in in ways I've I've now that I've experienced the live part, I'm like, damn, I left some things on the table with oh, various okay. ways. Wow. New nuance that I didn't expect. Uh, but that's jumping way ahead. But yeah. like how to harness it, I mean, it, it was because we decided just to do it in house and we just ha- like I just got thrown into that role of like, all right, organize this chaos. How do we capture it? And we can maybe, you know, let's let's see if we can just harness the goods here, which is really like the heart of it is Chris, Spee, Aaron and Tim in a room where it's literally Tim with a guitar and Aaron on a drum kit. And they are just screaming at each other, like writing damn excuses. That song was written in like 20 minutes, it feels like, because they just put the riffs together, heavy, in and out. Spee's like, yes, 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 yes. Like. They just have such an interesting process. Like, I don't even know. You, you kind of almost throw and go it in ways like that, where it's like you just load up certain pre's that you know are going to work. And as long as nothing's hitting red, then you kind of like <laughs> just leave it until something fucks up. Like, Aaron's going to yell at you for something. He's going to need something to be moved because he broke something or whatever. And <laughs> they move quick. Like, Tim will be right over your shoulder. You, you just have to just like know what you're kind of getting into. I will say with those boys, like we've, we've done other sessions, like writing sessions at other studios with like other people, like other engineers, like helping me do it. And they're all like these boys, they, they, they want it to be like this when they get in that mode, they need it to be ready. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're not divas. That's not even like that, but it's like, it's more that like, they just expect to show up and just like, they just want to riff. You know what I mean? They yeah. just want to riff. They don't want to be waiting on the nerd in the room to just get their shit to turn on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, that's kind of like in my head, like that was the ethos of like, just do what you do live, but just try to pay more attention. I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, do the studio moves that you wouldn't normally do. But then I don't know. What's that? I mean, that was my first time recording this band like that. Like, holy shit pretty nerve-wracking after a while you know what i mean what is your history um with under oath and maybe previous to that uh they hired me in 2016 to be the lighting tech (laughs) so i kind of have a background in production just from working at a church all through high school like doing front of house and playing in the church band like the typical thing grew up a massive fan of under oath like i'm a whole decade younger than those boys so like i grew up a fan more than anything so Florida, um, yeah, Tampa. Born and raised in Tampa, still here. Home of home of death metal as well. Yeah, dude. Let's go. <laughs> More Let's sound. Go. Yeah. So, um, did you say we, more I sound? Just wanna, I just yep, want to poke sound. on that for a second, yeah. though. Like this idea that that's pretty rare that yeah. you we've, grow up as a fan couple, of an actor. We've had a couple people work for them. talk about this, but that's insane. definitely rare. That's it's pretty insane. rare, man. It's really it's insane. Like blessed more yeah that's that doesn't even begin to explain like how i feel about it it's like like i've i've looked at all y'all it's like man y'all have been in this game for so long i'm <laughs> relatively new you know what i mean like 2016 is no get time, it you know get it i'm working out it's nerve-wracking <laughs> I'm, I'm holding on man i'm holding on like we're we're making it work i think it's it's fun you know what i mean i feel like it's something that's new like we're doing it our way i guess you know like trying to just figure that all that out you know definitely got thrown into the wolf the wolf's den you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. <laughs> but so I hope- t- talk about the progression that you went from lighting tech to ended up at some point you ended up doing front of house for them. So what was that? And what was so- that? And, and, and for the for the context for those who don't know, um, uh, what was the last album? It was not Voyeurist. It's what's the um, uh, Erase Me. Erase, Erase Me was a was a, a a rebirth, if you will, right? Like that was a reunion yeah. of them coming together. That no one saw coming. Like a new and, record, yeah. And 100%. It, it blew people out of the water. And so what, anyway, so you're in the midst of that happening. How, what happened on tour to, to bring all that together? Yeah, so they they got back together as a band in general in 2016 and did a rebirth tour where they played. They're only chasing safety and to find the great line back to back every night. So they played two records in full. Awesome. Uh, we did that. We basically did that for two years. We did a Europe run, did an Australia run um, on that just like rebirth thing. Over that time, all the boys were like, let's let's cook up another record. So that they basically that was when it really kicked into high gear. So I'm like the lighting tech in 2016. And I'm also planning this other like indie band here in Tampa called Brother Cephas. Um I was playing nice. bass and like recording and producing their music and doing all that. And basically kind of had to pick like Tim was like, we want you out on tour. You know, we see the the potential growth pattern that you have here. Cause I was like on the first tour, I was already like patching the stage for audio, like seeing the gaps. I was like, I'm just kind of sitting around after 10, 10 AM, like, or whatever, you know, certain days would be easier than others. So it's like, well, why don't I patch the stage for the front of house guy? Because I know right. I do that. Why don't I do the split? Why don't I sink the packs? Why don't I, you know, what? just start figuring out things to do. So that kind of became like my progression within the camp, you know, to where come, come down to erase me. It's like I'm full-fledged, like stage managing, doing the monitors, just making sure everybody on stage is good, which now that I look back at it, it's like, I mean, they don't really need like the, the the monitor guy role for this band isn't as hands on as like another band would be. You know, these guys kind of are a set it and forget it in ways outside of a few vocal things that speed needs. Like they they like their shit just to be regular. Like, you know, they're they're used to just plugging into orange guitar amps and just like throwing everything everywhere. So like they don't need two or three dB of speed's vocal in a verse. <laughs> you know, like right. some people would in other scenarios. So it's like I got my hands were free to be much more involved on the stage. Um, fast forward, I think you guys all know Thomas Wolf, run the oh, tools. Yeah. Yep. That dude, he was our TM front of house guy for about a year and a half through the erase me cycle. Nice. Um, and he had to go on another gig. We had three days left in Europe and he had prior commitment with RTJ. And I ended up filling in for him at front house for those last three shows. Fun. And he finished off the last two shows of that year and then had to go do other stuff that he was already doing. And I just took over front house from there basically in 2019. So my first run at front house with them was the corn house and chains tour, which was insane to be thrown into as like your first full, like headlining front house gig for a band. Or not headlining, just even opening. It felt like headlining to us because some, <laughs> some of those shows were pretty stacked, you know. So it was, just, yeah. it was just wild, man. What a what a wild ride it's been for the last what that six years, seven years, whatever. That's awesome. 
It's cool. Yeah. Well, then I'm curious. Um, and you know, I, we don't need to rehash. All, I mean, I mean, go listen to that podcast because you you di- you dig deeper into some of the things you have to do in the band talk song. But, sure. But you did you mentioned a little bit ago. Um, there's things now that you now that you've experienced what you produced and recorded. What what was what was that? What that what would you do differently or whatever? What's that's cool. I think making them all play it more live. Make, making the performances happen more instead of punching as much as we did in like I'm still like Voyeurs is still cool in my opinion you know what I mean it's dope like I'm super proud of it and it sounds awesome and it's like dope just sometimes I wonder like if I just didn't push them hard enough now that I know what I know like I know what I can actually get out of them especially after Digital Ghost and watching them all play it as a band live in one day it was like right. shit that was like such a different energy experience that I didn't anticipate, you know, having never recorded them before. That was my first like actual a and B, you know what I mean? Of like, this is actually what this band's scale and scope is like in this space, like in their own, like creative headspace, you know, like, and I think that they function differently in both of those headspaces. Both are good. Both have their limitations as I feel like any, anything that, we all do like in these scenarios, like there's always pros cons. Um, but I think just the beauty of, of it all is like, you try to just m- meld the next time. You know what I mean? Sure. Now, yeah. like next time we get in that room, I want to bring both of these experiences together and the tour. Like, so it's a kind of three, it's like now seeing the full scope, it's like, Holy shit. Like the sky's the limit. As far as I'm concerned, as far as like what to push and where to push, like, do we push in the writing? Do we push more in that instead of like stacking out, you know, an Apollo rig? Like, you know, what's what's the best, the biggest yield? Like, what are we looking for? You know, you can go to a big studio all day and get that shit, but like, is that the move or or actually is it? You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> so I think that's kind of where at least I'm at with like thinking of the future and just like what that actually means of like maybe what I left on the table, you know, cause I've, I've done things since the Voyeur's record, like gotten certain drum sounds out of the same room in the same kit that I'm like, damn. Which for the Shit. record, the, the toms on Voyeur's are ridiculous. Hell yeah. Thanks. I want to, <laughs> I want to talk about Aaron in general. So from oh, live man. in studio, he, he's a beast. He hits really hard. He's, he's the same animal. He's the same one that you see on stage in front of 5,000 people without fail. We, in the me studio and, as well hits that hard. Wow. Oh, oh yeah. That's why we, he has to have a drum tech like in the studio also, because you get you get two takes out of him, and then the snares, you know, a full half step. Like, <laughs> yep. Even with the lug locks and all that shit, like it just doesn't matter. So you just gotta, you know, we plan for that. So the takes that we're fleshing stuff out, you know, then it's like, all right, we'll take five minutes. Rowdy, get in there, crank that thing up. Let it set for a second. All right, now let's go get the take. You know what I mean? At least attempt to. That's right. it's that. He he is he is the beast that you see. Like and he I would honestly even say, like, even if he listens to this, I don't really give a shit. Like he gets <laughs> he gets to be demanding at certain times where he's like, he needs to get it out, and if he gets delayed in any way, he gets a little upset. So you get it. You get to hear a lot of like dick, 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 like this, and then you hear hey, and like just you hear because he's in the other room, and you just hear like 
what is that? And you just hear like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, he's hollering at somebody. It's like, all right, what? What is it? What is it now? Like, but that's, but that is what makes him like, he's an experience. He himself is an experience. Pair them, pair him with who he's in the band with. It's like, holy shit, man. You're, that's a buck and Bronco right there. Like, you're yeah. holding on. <laughs> like, holy shit. It's so sick. That's awesome. It's all those guys are beasts. Well, you were like, you know, we don't, we don't, they're trying to be creative. We don't want to wait for the nerd to, you know, figure out how to use Pro Tools template or something. I mean, that's like a really important part. And and I think it's an underestimated part. It's not just about, do you know how to use the tools? But in a lot of these professional settings, speed is a huge deal. Efficiency, Um, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, uh, you know, I mean, in my own work, there are, there are times when I'm, I only have 20 minutes to tune a system. Yeah, uh, or you know, fifteen minutes. So you you better be able to get real gains happening in that amount of time because it doesn't matter if you can do a perfect job in an hour because you're not going to get an hour. Um, yeah. So so you know, I think a lot of the stuff that 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 I talk to with people, you know, my colleagues and, and people that I'm in, mentoring is, is is not only can you do it, but can you do it quickly? Um, that's a yeah. huge huge thing, and I don't think we talk enough about that. No, and I mean quickly, you know, you can only be so so prepared in certain scenarios like you're it's like if you show up to a throw and go obviously making a record you know it's not like it snuck up on me so i did have <laughs> i did have a chance to like kind of set the rig up i have tons of friends over here that sure. can that all play drums that if i need somebody to come check mics like i do but that you still need to be able to react very quickly Correct. to changing things in a request and you got to figure out how to make it work 100 percent. so yeah i mean you're 100 percent right it's like if it takes me more than 20 minutes to get like a studio kit for Aaron dialed with him actually playing. Like he's going to start being like, can we start running? Which what I have eventually started doing, it's like me and Tim basically like produced and engineered the whole thing. So he's over my shoulder and I'm like, look, I'm not set on these drum tones, but y'all keep riffing. We're going to hit record so that he thinks that we're building this. And (laughs) I need to keep, I need just him to keep playing. So you keep him busy. Y'all keep playing. Start and stop. <laughs> We're literally, I'm just literally going to roll tape. I'm not going to stop it. So he has click, whatever. And then I'll have enough time. Like I need five minutes, really. You know what I mean? Whatever's red, it's like, okay, deal with that. Just right. methodically and just have them play for 20 minutes. Like it's the first day. It's like, guys, give me one, one round of like, go for it for 20 minutes. Go there in your headspace. And it's like, let me just get my bearings about me. And I just like save everything. You know what I mean? Then everything's a preset. So every session I open, everything just defaults to where I set it. It's like now we're now we're rolling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It is it is beneficial to even spend twenty minutes with the artist on the front side, like because I mean, even if you blind check, I don't know anybody else's drum kit, like any real drummer, I don't care what tech they have, it's never the same thing as if like that guy yeah. is doing. Yeah. Like I don't care how good you are at emulating anybody. Like it doesn't matter. You're not that person, period. So there's going to be, you know, you got to figure it out on the fly. Luckily, I'm not in a cutthroat or I wasn't in a cutthroat position at that time to be like, you know, you you can't be adjusting those gains right now. Like, we got to hit record. Like, no, it's like a family joint. It was chill. Got the shit done. We didn't waste any time. Like, it's not like I didn't do it, but it was like that, you know, that weight of pressure of that time and expectation wasn't there. You know, Mm -hmm. like it would be in a very like, commercial standard setting like that like which you know those have a time and a place i'm grateful that i don't have to do that very often to be honest with you i really like the being able to like 
participate in creating something as opposed to like having to, you know, tech something. You know what I mean? Right. I like being able to just use the tools that I have. And as long as they're not breaking, then. So I'm, how, so I'm, then how important is like a home field advantage to you? Like, is it, I, I need my, my massive. studio and my control room and I'm comfortable on this particular stuff and that's what enables me to work fast or you take anything just, they have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I've got these headphones and my laptop, as long as I have access to my plugins, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've, those can interface with just about anything outside of like a UAD, you know, but I can bring an X4. That would right. be like the extent of like what I would need, but it's like, that's on, I can bring that. That's flyable, you know, Sure. all of it's self-contained. So it's like, yeah, I can kind of, I've made records. Most of the records I've made have been in people's houses that right. have like, there's a place called Plant City out here, just Northeast kind of between Orlando and Lakeland and Tampa. Um, it's like historic town. I've made a lot of records out there because a lot of the houses in there are from the 20s and they just have a vibe. And cool. done, I've gotten a lot of really great drum tones out of there for many years just by setting up an Apollo rig with, you know, a few mics, like a mobile kind of thing. And it just sounds incredible, you know, just mm-hmm. off rip. So I'm kind of used to that, like, not not having your shit. You know, I've realized that I only need a f- one one group of tools, like right. a decent set of Waves plugins, a few UAD plugins, and some Valhalla. Like, I could probably mm. get it all done, you know, like... For the most part, until you can get to the rig, you know. Well, I think there's a huge advantage, and regardless of whatever your particular job duties are, saying that I have what I need to do my job, and I am not reliant on any third party bringing a thing or the thing not working, or we show up and it's not the thing that I thought. Like the fact that that you, when the rubber hits the road, you're like, no, I, I have my fucking pelly and my backpack, and let's do it, man. Like, yeah, there's good. some real value there, you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you change any of your live mics because of what the tones you got in the studio? Like, did you bring any new, to, like, things from the studio to use in your live application um, as well? Yeah, I mean, I did, and it's funny the the same lighting guy I teched for in 2016 was our lighting guy on this last Voyeurist tour run, and I the crotch mic. I mean, everybody knows about the crotch mic for like studio, like the the right over the kick, you know. Uh, what am I? What am I saying? You know, the one where you just put it down here, literally, yeah. where it's like facing yeah. your dick. Like that's a classic move from the '60s that everybody yep. still uses it. I use it on the record, and I, you can see in some of the pictures, I mounted a little Lewitt condenser to kind of like hack it to where it's right over that spot in the kick drum and the snare. And like three days into the tour, lighting guy comes up to me and he's like, "Dude, I don't know why you're doing that. That's that's such a studio move." And I was like. Because it's fucking fine and it's cool and you don't even know what I'm doing to it out there. Like, of course, I'm not just going to turn it on. Like, <laughs> It's going to be only ride symbol primarily, but it's like I'm doing shit to it that I want to do. Like, it's for a specific reason, much like I use it in the studio. Like, I don't use it full range. I squash the shit out of it, take all the highs and lows out of it to where it's literally just that iPhone smack. But... Sometimes I open it. Sometimes I don't. You know, it just I just like having that as an option. And sometimes I would turn it off in the front of house mix. I just like having it. So it's like that is the one thing that stands out to me, like drum wise at least, because those are like the only microphones we really have on stage now. Because we're all fractal, and then just you know Chris has his own spaceship over there. <laughs> that's what it's. That's 
just regular audio. You know what I mean? So it's like there's only it's just the drums that I have to like really you know mic and do all that shit. So yeah, the crotch mic, and then we got a um, <laughs> a, a, a Telefunken endorsement. <laughs> Uh, for the Did I for the record, right? crotch mic. Yeah, crotch mic. So, so Very your input dick. list that you like, hey, you provide to the venue. <laughs> yeah, for that I put crotch. Day, it says crotch, crotch mic. Yeah. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. It's what it is. <laughs> what is that for? Like, no, seriously though. Like, is that for the kick drum or for like? It's under for the both. Snare, or it's, it's oh. for you get you get this thing with the kick and the snare. Like, it's literally about like 150 hertz that just smacks. Because it's really getting the side and like all the air that comes off the side of the snare, so you get that weight and obviously the kick drum, and you hear a lot of the attack. Because I'm mm. not a huge fan of like the ticky tacky, like right in the kick drum. I mean, I still get it, I still use it, but like more in like a parallel kind of a setting. And I really use that crotch mic to give me that definition <laughs> of the kick drum. Does nobody call it a crotch mic? Am I the only one? Sylvia Massey I, I calls just, it a dick mic. I. I, I <laughs> I just don't think we've had the word crotch on the show yet. I think this is the first time. That's, it's all good. Nailed it. It's first time for everything. Yeah, you win the right. you win the trophy, man. So I've done I've done a side address for a snare. Uh, did that with the Congos. It's kind of like that. Showed me that, and that's a really cool sound, man. It really yeah. is. Like like you said, you can manipulate it. Sometimes you don't use it. Correct. It just just depends on the situation. Like small theater, maybe not outdoors maybe you know for effect or yeah the thing but that's a cool idea i like that idea yeah and it's I, it's just having another it's another gas pedal and or flavor like depending like if it's a big venue like i can boost that instead of you know the two kick drums that also hit compression harder i can just boost the crotch that has all this crazy shit on it and it's now you know cha- it's not only giving you more but it's introduced another vibe to the whole drum sound and it's in parallel. So it's like it comes and goes. It's dynamic. It's like, you know, and then in smaller clubs, you know, sometimes I'll bail on the overheads and just use that. Like you can decide you can get a lot of really cool, different kinds of things, cool. especially. I mean, we're leaving out the fact that Aaron is the vocalist as well. And that affects the drums let's, live let's, like let's, more let's, than let's, anything. Let's, Let's go oh, yeah. there, right? So, all right, Holy so shit. Let's do we it. Got two pe- all right, so for those who don't know Under Oath, uh, Aaron Gillespie is the name of the drummer, uh, and 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 he is a primary vocalist um, in a Cleans, lot of the songs. You, for the hardcore people. <laughs> Clean vocals. Cleans. All right, sorry, yeah. Uh, I'm just giving context for those who aren't Under Oath fans or listeners. You know. Um, so, all right, how have the two of you handled... Aaron and or drummer singer. So let's and JJ, you go first, and then Kyle, let's go, you know, back to you and and Ooh. how you handled it back in the day. For me, first thing I do is just get it the fuck away from the ride as much as I can. <laughs> as as much as I can turn it, as much as he will let me. What I mic? also can't uh we use just Sennheiser 935s. Okay. Like I've tried other wow. microphones on them and I just cannot. Wow. These these are just the shit for these two dudes. Wow. That's really interesting. I know. Yep. I, believe me, I know. I, I, I would I not I would have lost else, money on that bet, just man. It works. <laughs> yeah, it works and I can I can hit them hard. They can take a beating for one like these dudes are destructive as shit. Like Spee's throwing it down every night like you know, they're not expensive. They're just really great sounding mics and they have pretty good rejection, you know, pretty good off axis rejection. So if I can get that thing to the, to the right angle, you know, on Aaron, uh, 
you know, a lot of times I kind of like, I, I know that I'm going to get some of the snare. So I try to just like, either sometimes I'll just lean into it fully and just try to dynamically gate it. So, his, get, so, like, so, so, his, so his mic is coming up from his right side. So the back of the mic is his, facing the ride as opposed to most left. drummers. Oh, okay. It is his left, but it's behind, like where his stand goes. It's like, okay, so I'm side address. Like this is my left side of my body. Yep. His mic's like right here. Okay. So I try to get it and he, he has to keep his stand there because he can't his you know, arms. come from the other way. He's going to knock it. You know, right. when he goes to hit the cymbals. Right. So it has to come from behind him. And he doesn't. I was like, dude, let me rig you up. The fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah. Yeah. dangler guy. Dude. Yeah. The, the guy. The Connor Beaufort. Yeah. Yeah. yeah dude. <laughs> He's like, never in my life will I be caught using that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be funny, though. For one show, I might do it. I don't know. Let's see what you do. <laughs> so Chris, <laughs> Mitchell, Chris Mitchell was telling me he, they were doing something similar for Umphreys, and he's trying to build. I don't know if he actually followed through and did it or not, but he's telling me he wanted to do it a while ago. He wanted to build a switch into the swivel. So when the drummer pushed the mic to the side, it would mute it. Well, I think oh that's just cool. Just, just, yeah. use, just use an optic. Yeah. That'd be Why? genius. Just use an optic. He's blue. Yeah. There goes a copyright. Yeah, but yeah. He, come on, you know Chris Mitchell. He's not just going to use an He's going to design some magic technology shit. It's brilliant. So it probably will have. move the mic stand for it too. Yeah, yeah. See? So Kyle, so, let, me get, let me guess, Kyle. When you mixed it, was it a was it a fifty six? Yep, beta fifty six <laughs> with the yeah. dude. I'm all about girl. the fifty six on the singing drummer. Oh yeah, and, oh, and you know what? This is uh, I this gotta is, say. I, this is three singing drummers. I I did Jet, Chris Sester pl- pl- uh, sang as well with Jet, mm-hmm. and um, the drummer for the Congo sang as well, and and then you know Aaron. So I've dealt, dude. It's it's, it's a, a constant battle. <laughs> I, and it's, I had he, his vocals are chasing safely. Like I don't care yeah. what anybody says. Like that album is like Aaron. It, it's oh, yeah. like. All the hooks, everything, and he's a strong singer, so that's good, you know. Um, man, you have you have a battle. I do, but I know you guys have. I think I saw it. Alan Heath's one of your sponsors. That's all I've been using since 2019, and they oh, just, nice. with that with that update. They have that. Uh, well, they have the, like the transient shaper what, thing. Well, yeah, it's the um, but it's like the it's like a noise gate. Oh, it's, like, it's like yeah, a, it's similar it's to like a, the, the primary source. It's a dynamic, yeah, yeah. dynamic yeah. expander is what they call uh-huh. it. Ooh, yeah. They have yeah. that, and then they have the Dyne 8, the Dynamic 8 EQ, which is basically a multiband uh, EQ. I love me some Dyne 8, man. Love me yeah, that thing. So I have been slamming that. Shout out to Matt Dirks with Bad Omens for setting this up on the desk. Um, he got me set up with all this parallel chain for Aaron's vocal, where it's literally the noise, the dynamic expander, par- parametric into it, LA2A into the expander. So all the shit, like it's smacking it, getting rid of all the noise. And then I have the dynamic gate to shape it when it is open. So all those shrills, all of them are dynamically. So it doesn't sound. What I hate is I don't want it to sound like there's a gate opening on his vocal mic. Yep. Like I think that's the whole, I think that's everybody's challenge with all this. It's like, how do you get it to sound like, you know, it's isolated. And Damn these they these plugins on this desk they're they're the stock they're on the they're stock on the desk it's not even third party it's what comes with the desk like these things rip and they do a great job you know obviously it's still live you can still hear it if you really pay attention but 
most people like, dude, it sounds, it just sounds slapping. You know what I mean? Sounds really good and you can hit it hard. So yeah, man, it's just a, it's a challenge. I mean, even speed sometimes though, too, with how much you have to compress him to get some of his, cause he doesn't, he doesn't hit that hard. You know, he's not screaming loud at all. Like that's not what he does. It's actually very quiet. So you really have to hit the pre hard to get it loud enough. So those mics really do a great job. And those, like I said, those, the dynamic expanders, it was a life lifesaver. How about the, um, uh, so the screaming vocals, we talked about this a little bit and, um, do you do anything to that to embellish a process or is that all natural from, from what, Spencer? Like his, like his dirt or like the yeah. growl. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, is, it, is, there, is there any like doubling and fattening in anything of that? Oh, or is it just, I mean, yeah. yeah, I have all that on it for sure, but that's all like parallel kind of like effect buses kind of in a way, like parallel compression stuff where I'll do like some thickening things where I'll slightly delay it. And then I have obviously traditional slap, you know, reverbs, delays, whatever. I tend to verb out speed more than I do Aaron, or actually, sorry, other way around. I put more delays on speed than I do Aaron just because of the drum factor. Mm-hmm. I don't want snares, you know, getting <laughs> in Aaron's mic with delay trails and all that shit. Because I like I like blending in my returns on my console instead of sending. I like the sends to be on all the time, and I okay. just bring in the return. I want to just have them hitting every time, so I can really. That's just how I've always been. Um, so yeah, there's I have like four buses on speed, all feeding those effects, and then obviously his channel slamming it with an LA two A, just basic you know control. They also have that. Um, they have like a tube valve on the preamp section in those Allen and Heath. So I, sometimes I don't want to, we kind of did that on Voyeurs. We ran his SM7 through the Soyuz cloud lifter. Have you guys ever fucked with any of yep. those? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that into a 1073 and it just like overcooked it. It it put, I didn't like the Soyuz. So I kind of am like, because of how aggressive speed is already, I don't really like putting a pre on him, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I do, it's going to be just like trim, you know, just level, like pure boost, kind of like an API or something like that. You know what I mean? That kind of flavor. Cause I don't want to add the harmonic cause his voice kind of already does it. Plus with the 935, it's not like it's pristine high end. So that what it does to the high end of that microphone is kind of nice, you know, mm. it breaks up at like 5k kind of mm. like a guitar amp would. So it's like, I think that's partially why the 935s work so well for him is because it just it it matches where his voice, where he works, you know what I mean? Just off rip, you know, the 58, I've used the 58 on him and it's like it's almost too clean. It's kind of vanilla. <laughs> the Sennheiser's got some like teeth to it, you know, I don't know what it is. And it's only with him. I would never use it on anybody else, to be honest. But, that, like, but that's the beauty. It's just and, him and Aaron. Yeah, that's the beauty, though. We, we, and we kind of talked about this before, like. You know, look, that's try different mics on people, right? Like, there's, there's, I mean, uh, you know, there's some people I'd use a KSM nine on that I wouldn't use on someone else or, or whatever. So, I mean, there really is a, a a reason to try out these different heads on different different people. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, so and, and you the speak flip about side these, of that, Chris. Oh, sorry, Kyle. Go ahead, man. No, go, Michael. I was just going to say my experience with that as well is the flip side of that is. I've often had a vocalist who's on a mic that they're like, I like this mic and it may be not the best fit for them, but they're comfortable with it and they perform better with it or they like how they're hearing it in their ears. And so sometimes it's just like, well, let's, let's make that work, dude. You're comfortable with that one. You know what I mean? And I'm getting a better performance out of them. 
Um, so sometimes then, the then right mic is the right mic. Yeah, yeah, you know. Then you got to do your job on like the knob right. side of like, right. okay, well, they're insisting. It's like, yeah, it's like anybody. It's like, well, this is my snare drum. This is my guitar. This is my anything. Right, right. It's like, so, okay. I, I mean, I think there's a dialogue to be had there. And I've had that with artists about, oh, you don't like this or that about what's going on. Okay, well, let's try this or this other thing. Um, and a lot of them are open to that. But but just as much of the time, like, no, this is this is what I'm using. And I yeah, like this and I'm comfortable sure. with this. And so do what you need to do, you know, and make it work. Yeah, I kind of have a question there for y'all. As people that have been doing this for a lot longer than I have, like, what is the collaboration like between techs and artists on this level like full stop you know what i mean like because i'm used to my circle but like mm. from what y'all's experience is like what's the general like is it Man, normally it's just such a spectrum no, dude like it's it's such a spectrum uh i mean sure. in my, my own experience has been everything from i'm gonna go on stage and do my show and whatever comes down the snake you just deal with it um all the way to sitting there and listening to multi-tracks for hours together and changing pedal board settings and listening back. I mean, it, it can be extremely collaborative. It can be extremely, I don't get a vote at all and they're going to do it. And it can be extremely the other way, which is you do whatever you think is best and you put out whatever mic for me you think is best. And you, you know, you just make right. me sound good. It, it and, and I haven't done it nearly as much directly with an artist as Kyle and Chris have, but for me, it's run such a huge gamut, you know? Yeah, Kyle, you probably could weigh in a little more. Hey, we actually uh, talked about this on the last, the last episode one. or the last yep, two, yep. depending on when yep. Aram's drops, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, part of it, there's, there's often there's deals uh, with manufacturers. Artists have you repping a, a microphone, so sometimes you don't really get a choice there. But it's mm -hmm. relational based, right? So I mean, if this is the first time working with those artists and you're inheriting everything, you're not going to rock the boat. You've been with those artists for five, six, yep. ten years. It's a conversation. Hey, you know what? We're starting off this next tour. Right. I'm, I'm going to bring two of the microphones. Let's just listen, right? Let's do, right. Yeah. And the, the beauty of virtual sound check. Let's let's record a couple songs. Come out here, you listen. Let's see what works, what doesn't work. And um, so let, the relation side is the is the most important factor, ooh, which you obviously have let, already. With. Let's put this in there too, sure. real quick, to tag on to the end of that. Um, it's nice to get to know all your manufacturers. Like Audix was my yeah. first uh endorsement ever and i love the d6 and the d series microphones Classics. and and i went through you know all the oms and had a great time with all of them <clears throat> and then i switched to a different artist and uh they went to different microphones i had sure we've had sennheiser like heil it, and it's it's cool as an engineer to go through those bands whether you can have creative input or not and use different microphones is like kind of a special situation you know there's there's a point that's why i asked about changing the drum mics because once yeah. you get the reins to do something like that you yeah. can really start to kind of open up your creativity elsewhere besides the mic stand or you know in, in a plug-in or whatever and i think that's really cool um yeah. artists artists rarely talk to their endorsements they always talk to us about like tech tips and problems or you know, what, what did you think about this? Did you try out that? They're always in contact with you. And seriously, I haven't talked, I haven't toured as a front of house guy in holy cow, like a, a while, four years, five years. And I still talked all of my reps and my guys who wow. sent me microphones. So like the, the, that side of it, the gear side, like if someone hears, Oh, you're using our plugin, like, you know, 
do do a podcast, do an interview, whatever. <laughs> I think this is all great for engineers too. And under oath is like always at that level where people are willing to like let them try stuff, I think. And I, I think that's cool that they give you the leverage to do it. 100%. Well, Kyle, you had you and I had a talk probably two years ago at this point, and it was the opposite. It was I had my vocalist come to me and say, "Yep, I don't like I the way I sound on this mic. And I called you. I'm like, okay, like what mic makes sense for here's what I'm trying to do. Here's how she is as she sings. Here's what her tonality is like. You listen to some mixes, you know, and you're like, oh, I know exactly what she needs. And, and it was perfect. But Chris, what you were talking about is something that I'm really working through right now, which is the taking over a show idea. Um, where, you know, an act that I've been with for almost a year now, I've just took over front of house as well as SE and front of house production management was like, you can wipe that console if you want. Like this is it. You can mix (laughs) it however you want. Right. But, but the same day he was like, and by the way, sometimes he comes out to front house and he'll want to hear it. So like, (laughs) so I'm like, I'm not touching shit, you know? (laughs) So, um, so, um, you know, I'm doing things like, you know, messing i have some pretty specific things like to do with like dynamic cues on guitars and like i'm I'm going after little things that are, that are poking at me but there will be a day when i'm like all right shit let's fucking do it and just let's wipe do this it. thing and but today is not the day you know and so especially noting that right now when that artist comes out the front of house they're happy and they like the way they sound and that's why they've had that front of house for so long um you got to think very carefully before you just throw that out fuck it all know? up yeah, man. <laughs> don't, don't fix something that ain't broke. <laughs> it's not broke right yeah. now. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and I'm fuck always it a, up. Yeah. I'm yeah. a I'm a huge proponent of the Chris Mitchell thing where he would just go out and take EQs out and start using yep. high pass yep. and low pass to kind of yep. get so even taking over someone's show, it, I've done it before and that does suck. Um but you kind of the small battles, like you said about the dynamic EQ and everything, you just go for little small things and right. uh it, it makes it a lot easier. Consistency is what you're, what you're aiming for. And that's why I like JJ's situation here because he's heard the raw tones in the studio right. and knows where they, the placement goes. It's just battling. Now you're just like, Oh, yeah. now it's mercenary. What room am I in? Yeah. What's going on? My battle is to, I, I'm trying to strip down because the, 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 the take, analogy take I love off. is it's, it's take it off. I will, I will. The, the Carter Beaufort drum set, <laughs> right? Like, you don't go to, to Guitar Center and buy everything that Carter Beaufort has and set it up. You add to that drum set a little bit over time. He wanted another splash. To get it he wanted to another, look you know like what I mean? It. So it evolved. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he evolved this thing over time to make it the way he wants. And that show file is the same way. There's a lot of stuff in there because it was just little tweaks over time. Oh, yeah. So now I'm starting uh, to go, what can I boil down out of this? Do I, maybe, I, you know, 37 plugins, can I get it down to 25? You know, can I just, can I just go back and undress this a little bit? Um, and I think that's going to be a cleaner yeah. way for me to then go forward and say, okay, now this is kind of going in the direction. Like, so and then you're going to add it all <laughs> Right, right. I'm going to get back to 50 pockets. Yeah, no, put it's, it, a, put it all. it's a phenomenal sounding show, but it's just, it's not yeah. my, it's not my mix. Do you know what I mean? So, so 100%. it's absolutely not, I'm not saying it's bad or there's a problem with it. It's fucking fantastic oh. sounding. It's just, I do things. I have my own approach, you know? And so I want to like find driving your to, friend's car. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, or I don't, you know, I say this. Give like giving a presentation of somebody else's PowerPoint is what it feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, that's not where that goes. Like, yeah, weird. yeah, exactly. So that's kind of like the end joke that you know Jamie and I have that because Jamie and I kind of hand off teaching smart classes, and when when one of us is on the other one's PowerPoint, you can super tell. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so so that's kind of where I'm at now. Is it's 
I, I would like eventually to evolve this into my own approach and my own recipe, but I also really respect where it is now and it's a phenomenal sounding show as it is. So I'm trying to just be very gradual with it, you know? 100%. It's a good attitude. <laughs> it's a great attitude. So, JJ, I'm curious. There had to have been two moments. All right. So, uh, you've made your way to mixing front of house on um, the Erase Me tour, and then you're in the studio. You said you you said you grew up as a fan, and here you are working. There had to have been a moment at front of house and in the studio going, holy fuck, two things. One, A, I'm actually doing it, and two, this is fucking amazing. Do you Were there any distinct moments where you oh, rem- dude, remember that? Like what, I have like what, six. Des- <laughs> des- describe that. Like, do, what, what, like, I can give you, I can give you the, the two that stand out the most probably. Uh, the first one is the very, 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 very first show I actually did in front of house. It was in Prague at Download. I don't remember one of the – a festival – Giant PA, huge K2 rig, uh, and they played uh, Reinventing Your Exit, which is off Chasing Safety. And I remember that's like the first song I played drums to in high school. And I was Chills. just like, and like Aaron is singing the chorus, and I'm like, and it sounds exactly the same. And I'm like, I literally like stopped and I stood back from the console. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I'm in the Czech Republic. This tour sucks. Uh, this I'm doing this right now, and this is mind blowing. Like, love it, love it. It's raining. I'm covered in mud, but like, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like, yes. holy shit! Yes. That same show, this this Czech Czech whatever they are, I don't know Czech Czechoslovakian because we were in Czech Republic. He looks at me. He's, he just goes. He's like, it sounds. He's like, it sounds like shit. <laughs> I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> like, are you serious? You're ruining this Hard moment crowd. for me, dude. Hard crowd. <laughs> like, you don't know what I've been through. <laughs> rough. rough. Uh, I love life. when they're like, I love you. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, doing no. great. For, for no, the, you're for awesome. The, for the you're listeners like, at home, middle fingers mean? are up in the air. By yeah, the yeah middle, middle fingers. fingers. <laughs> So that's Rough like crowd. the first one. That song, that song specifically, like every once in a while, will just mow my grass and just be like, "You get to do this. This is what you're doing for a living." Like, happened a few times on the Voyeurs tour. I remember in Chicago we played. What's that big new spot there? Uh, Chicago. What was that? Oh my god, I'm the worst. There's too many. It's all good. Giant spot, amazing show. That song happened. Same deal. It's like, man. What a what a wild ride this is, and like what a privilege it is to be like the guy in charge of making all these people, you know, do this shit. Like, well, well speaking wow. of which, <laughs> d- during the show, do you observe the audience and feel the connection that you are helping translate from that stage to them? Oh yeah, like it's sometimes it's almost instant, like as if it was like a stand up comedy show where you can almost feel the weight of the crowd like drop and and you know you'll hear more people holler and scream and some shows there won't be any of that you know and then it's like that's a different vibe so mm-hmm. like yeah like our our crowds normally are pretty rowdy so like yeah. if they're into it they let you know if they're not into it they find a way to let you know you know <laughs> so it's like and i think you know having been doing it a little bit and seen them play so many times you kind of feel the energy. Mm. You kind of know when it's like 
slapping and hitting, like not even just on my end, just even like the band. Like, are they engaging with the crowd? Are they, you know, what's Spee feeling like? How's he do? You know, you can kind of just pick up on like little nuances as the show goes on. And, you know, yeah. sometimes you can kind of like it gets better as it goes on. I feel like all of us have had those where it's like maybe starts out kind of shitty, like three or four songs <laughs> and you're like, all right, I made it through. Like, this is not ideal, but it's like, I kind of actually like this now. Like maybe there's a placebo there. It's like, maybe it's a shitty room and like, you got the 2k out of it finally because you yeah. just decided to go negative 15 on it to say, fuck because <laughs> nothing else was working. So it's like, uh-huh. then you kind of find you settle in. Like, I don't know. You have, you have, it's, it's all that in between, but like the show's, under oath, it's like, you know, you always know when it's good or when it's not. You know, they don't, it's either heavy and hard and people are bloody and screaming afterwards or not, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sylvana and I were just talking about this today. Yes. Is like, for me, the coolest part of my job is the fact that my responsibility includes walking and, you know, ostensibly listening to the system from various parts of the audience, but I'm checking out but the vibe, man. I want to see what the absolutely. people are doing, you know? Um, yeah. I want to see the dude on the 300 level who, like, put the makeup on and dressed up and shit. Like, that's my dude right there, you know? Like, so I, do, you, do you do the whole wander, too? Like, do you, like, look? Oh, yeah, look? yeah. I'm yeah. very much, I mean, it, like, I do very much care about what it sounds like in the back row. That's, like, you know, I need to make sure that the system's doing what it's supposed to do, but I want to go up there and I sit down in the seat and I just watch a half a song and I just check the vibe, man. And and that's, that's like a big Zen, you know, as, as objective Mm. as I am about my work, that's a very like Zen thing for me is like being in the audience and sitting in those seats. Like that's a big part of my routine. So this kind of goes back to like the ethos of how we made the Voyeurs record. I would ask you even more so in this way of like, would you not feel that doing that, allowing yourself the one song upstairs allows you to come back downstairs and then react even better? Like, is it now is part of what we do about reacting to where we are in the environment and how it's kind of it changes over time, like literally. So like in my head, it feels like you go up there. That's like a, it's like a reset. You know, you're yeah, not, yeah. You're, you're I think subliminally, you know, you're deciding that like the mix is actually OK. Like, I don't know right. what your situation Like, do you have somebody downstairs literally mixing well, while so you're doing that? I, I'm the SE usually. So, so, hold, hold so, so I don't have to. Real, real quick. So, SE is, from my, some levels of tours don't have an SE. Yeah, System, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my job is. S- systems job is, engineer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My job oh. is the coverage, like the coverage of the PA system, um, which obviously when you get 10,000 people in a, in a venue, it changes, right? Like the, the atmosphere changes. So, so mm. once front of house gets two songs in and they're comfortable, I'm walking and I'm going down front and I'm checking out the front fills and I'm going up to the back and I'm going to check out this. So I want to hear what the system's doing all throughout. So um, that's part of it is I am mobile. Like I have to be, but, but very much literally sitting in the seats with these people. And, and I'll tell you, and I, and I, this sounds weird, but when I walk into the venue in the morning and I'm like about to make the model, with the laser, like yeah. I have it and it's fucking empty. I'll still go all the way up to 200 or 300 level and sit and just kind of vibe it. And I just want to yeah. kind of see what the experience is like for these people. Cause it's like, all right, now let's give them like, you know, I hate, yeah. I hate that there's some sort of thing where we just culturally were like, yeah, well it's the back row and arena. Of course it sounds like shit. Like we just accept that. And it doesn't have to be that way. It could be fucking 100%. kick ass back there. So I like to go yeah. back there and just sit and I'll get my laptop. I'll sit up there and do it, you know? Hmm. Um, so rules. how does, it, how does the sound change like as people come in like that's oh, what a great kind question. of interesting to think about yeah 
Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, the biggest thing that I'm reacting to in real time during a show and, and maybe Kyle can talk about this, you know, in terms of, you know, from, from a mixing perspective too, and JJ, but the biggest thing that's going to happen is humidity is probably going to go up when you put a bunch of human bags of blood and water blood in bags. the room, right? Yeah. Blood bags. <laughs> bags. So, so, so bags. <laughs> when that, when that humidity goes up, um, the, the air absorption that was happening at high frequencies becomes less severe. So if it sounded balanced with an empty room, it's probably going to sound a little bit bright all the way up there um, where you have a very long throw with a room full of people. So one of the things that I that I will do, that's my first stop, is go up in the back, make sure it's not too bright. Um, and it, it gets to the oh. point when you know your rig and you know how your rig behaves, I can tune it just a bit dark by the amount that it's probably going to come back when the room fills up. So I kind of skipped the middle step of having to go fix it afterwards. Um, but, yeah, but the big one for me is, is the high frequency changing. Um, Kyle, you want to talk about that? Yeah. And JJ, that kind of answers your question. Like, do you come back and make the adjustment? Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, I always got this theory as well. And it's kind of asked backwards sometimes, but the, the speaker's not changing from sound check. Uh, the room is changing. So right. right. Some things you don't want to touch until you make that walk, you know, right. and, and mm -hmm. that's what's almost even more important because you still want that energy when you're working as an se it's all about the energy distribution throughout your venue you know and the opposite of michael when you're in a shed or outdoors open air you yep. know the humidity goes away and the wind picks up so mm -hmm. it, it, it it's another it's definitely it's a weird muscle memory thing because you just think about it and you kind of, like you said, tune it dark in the back, watch your reflective surfaces, especially in arenas and places with glass and plastic seats. Like, Man, Kyle, I'm so interested to hear you talk about this because you've, you've been mixing your whole career and now you're, the, you're on the other side of this. You're the SE now. And one thing that I always do is after I take that walk, I go back to front of house. And if there's anything I feel they need to know about what's happening elsewhere in the space, I'll tell them, um, you know, we'll have that conversation. And so like, it's, Kyle, you've spent so much time being on the other side of that interaction. Like, how, what are you learning about how you need to communicate with front of house during the show now? Um, it needs to sound consistent. I mean, it all goes back yeah. to the consistency. Like, we're right. flying the same P every day. The, it, the environment's changing, you know? So sure. you work with the environment. Think as a broadcast engineer or, you know, studio uh, or ears on stage. The only thing you're adjusting every day is the vocal time, verbs, levels yeah. where it's going to sit like you're not grabbing eq again you know you're trying to keep that energy alive so i think what i'm learning is gaps and um how to adjust for those gaps like between outfills and mm -hmm. front fills subs flown subs on the ground like everything like jj like you said it it slaps like there's a point when you're tuning a rig and delaying it out where you just get it and and you put the right time in and everything starts firing at the same time and that's what that energy like yeah. you know you know if your pa is all hitting in the same time if the front of house guy doesn't have to adjust much mm -hmm. just work with the vocals placement maybe verb times and go like that's your goal i think uh, michael and, and chris have been helping me out a ton uh, it, it's it's fun like tuning a rig has become really fun and and i mixed my whole career you know, I only filled in SEs for small local gigs, but um, making do, the do rig you find sound yourself good. Just kind of having a dialogue in front of house throughout the show, or are you just like 
you know, yeah. I mean, the thing that, that's cool about, you know, the gigs that I typically am working on, I have such a tight relationship with those front of house mixers that they're just like, you do your shit. I'm going to do my shit. You know, and like they don't that need rules. the fucking, they don't need the report card. Yeah. It's just like, hey, was, yeah. And we might chat after the show, but it was like, oh, there's a problem. And I fixed it. You know? Um, yeah. So we, when you have collaboration, that trust, yeah, that's man. We, yeah. we talk about frequencies for sure. Like yeah. we had a couple festival shows this weekend and, um, you know, one was iHeart on a spinning turntable. Ah. Um, and one was a outdoor festival for jazz fest. So like, um, there was things <laughs> that I'm just laughing at Zach Brown at a jazz fest. Sorry. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett was on the other stage and the day before who played, uh, Stevie Nicks. I, I wish we would have wow. been there for That's that. Very eclectic. All, when I think of jazz, I think of all that, but anyway, yeah, sorry. I, I think <laughs> the name's actually longer. It's like jazz and cultural no, heritage. Look, what, fest, I, I used to do this jazz fest at Cincinnati. It was like Cincinnati jazz festival, or whatever we did in the Bengal stadium. And it's like, it's R and B through and through, and there may yeah. be one remotely close to jazz artist. They got so horns just, in the band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dude has a small kit. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, That's uh, cool. Savannah, uh, what, 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 what questions do you have? I don't want to. I don't pass you over here. You've been hanging out with us. I appreciate you hanging out with us. She's in my guest room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my questions? Let's see. You're not required to have questions. You're not required. You're but allowed I, to I, have I, questions. I want to make sure that like we're not steamrolling you and not giving you an opportunity to to ask a question because oh, I know myself I like and I've, Kyle and Michael have a tendency to ask about the crotch mic. That was cool. Crotch yeah. mic, I gotta ask about the meat bags. I meat guess bags. I'm getting like the really interesting <laughs> well, <laughs> body so related. Related. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, so so I have to ask about Amberlynn. Because that was one of those bands that, so I used to be in this band growing up, and uh, the bass player would just make these crazy mix CDs. I was back when like burning CDs was really fucking cool, you know? Yeah. And he was the first yeah. one of us to have a CD burner, and we thought he was so fucking cool. So he would be like, oh, <laughs> check this. every week he'd bring a new mix. And Anne Berlin was one uh. of those bands that I'm like, this is fucking cool shit, man. They, yeah, those dude. records sounded sick. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, I haven't kept up with what they've done since I was, like, 14, but yeah. I, mm. I vividly remember rocking out to that stuff, man. That shit sounded so good. So, like, how, yeah, that's got to be cool, right? Oh, man. That's another one of those, like, grew up listening to them in high school as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, would say, I would say as a drummer, and Aaron can cry about this if he wants to, but <laughs> Nate was definitely a little bit more influential to my drumming than Aaron was. Uh-huh. Uh, Aaron has his way, but Nate has another way that I've heavily fuck with, uh, which is super funny to now be full circle. Like we just wrapped up tracking me and Tim just wrapped up tracking with them for another round of songs Friday this past Friday, like in this room. So that's like another full circle, like doing drum sessions with them making their shit just, just it's it's it was literally so under Earth 2.0 dude and they're they're doing they're hmm. doing it again like this, i mean this new stuff yeah, is gonna be sick <laughs> they have 15, one single you know out. like glass of the oh, arse and bro. you're 16 you're like is that a disco beat on yeah, the drums dude. like in a metal song dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah man paper thin him dude feel good drag like just iconic what was the uh unwinding cable car that song was fucking yep. amazing by the yep. way kyle you want something to check a pa with there's no bass until like three minutes into the song oh so yeah you have like a full it. range song but you don't classic have classic emo fucking move, cool dude. man yep <laughs> yeah. Really cool. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the sick. bass player just like 
holding his base up and throwing his arm and screaming yeah. at the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry so, about playing so this first bit. We can got I actually this. chime in here? Like, yeah. I'm wondering. You you seem you're a big fan. Clearly, like, how do you differentiate? Like, you know, when you're mixing and doing what you're doing, how are you making sure you keep your like professional composure and also uh, making sure that like the what you're doing is like question. high quality and not your enthusiasm? Like, oh wow, yeah. that is a good question. Um, I don't. I mean. I mean, they're all, all of these dudes are like close homie. We're all from Tampa. Like, everybody's here. We've been hanging for years. Obituaries from Tampa, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's the same as kind of Under Oath. It's like, if shit's not hitting red, then I don't look at it anymore. It's like, <laughs> if as long, and obviously, if, if something was wrong, you, you would, you know, you would hear it. Like, we've got focals, we've got, we've got great monitoring, we have good gear. So it's like, if there are problems, I'm going to know in a lot of different ways. So I don't really have to think about it. You know, once I do my due diligence and do my hour of prep work, like get everything patched and get the level set, then I just have Nate play for five minutes. And then just same with Aaron. It's like, and with, with Amberlynn and them, it's like, dude, we, we get creative and we'll just like change it all for one mm. song. Like, because it's all digital, I could save all the presets swap all the plugins in and out as I want, you know, and we can just get an entirely different sound. So like, I don't even think about it as professionalism and like doing that. I think of it as like, mm. I'm just as much of a collaborative creator in this process. And I just happen to have this instrument, like instead of a keyboard or a guitar, like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm playing this one for now. And then that once it's done being played, then I just leave it there and it kind of just plays on its own. You know what I mean? And then I can mm -hmm. grab a guitar and then I can actually start doing the other shit, you know, helping the band make something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to think about the microphones anymore. That's kind of that's my whole like, I think Andrew Sheps, I don't know if you, I think everybody knows who Andrew Sheps is like he he's got a very strong philosophy of like, just get it to where it sounds good and then pay attention to the fucking music like mm -hmm. period. Without the artist, we as nerds and tech people don't have jobs. You know, I like that. I think that's kind of cool. So that incentivizes me as a nerd, as a tech person that really loves it and sees the value and sees how big of a deal it actually is. It's super important that somebody that you trust is in charge of this part of it. Like, because it can the make word, or break. Man. It can make or break. Like. I was waiting for that. I was waiting. I was waiting for the word trust because because you know it's not about. There are artists who know how to fucking mix, and there are a lot of who course. don't. But yep. what it really is is they've put trust in you with their sound, which is their whole fucking livelihood, man. So for them to say, "Yeah, I'm gonna pay you money to sit in this seat and move these faders around," that's a yeah. huge fucking thing. So for me, yeah. it comes from that. And you know, we were talking a little bit a couple weeks ago about we all want to be easy to work with. We want to be professional. We want to be easy going, but. At the end of the day, that's not my job. If the artist nope. is signing my paycheck, my job is to do the show the way the artist wants it done. And sometimes that means I got to put my foot down and say, we have to do something else here. Uh, yeah. you know, we're going to have to make a change. And, and you got to remember that, that they're trusting you to do that. And as soon as they yeah. don't trust you anymore, you're fucking gone. Yeah. You know? And I've, sometimes you have to take a risk in what it is that the artist wants to sound like. I've definitely sure. overstepped that. Sure before to where it was like they had to rein it in and were like that's okay a, i still that's I still a trust, fine line but 
yeah, I still trust you, but like you went too far in this one right. area, right? You know, and then they got to rein you in, and like in in a studio, it's a lot different because you know you you get that immediate you know feedback. It's like if I said, hey, have you heard this band? And that person's like, no, fuck that, I hate that band. It's like, oh, well, you're probably not going to show them the reference, or even if you are, you're going to preface, you're going to do this whole right. thing. So it's like because you don't want them to be like, oh. You know, you don't want them to think it's like, oh, this guy likes this shit. Like, I can't trust that guy. So there is a line of like, there's there's risk and there's you know, ah, you know, the the people I've luckily been able to work with, like, I feel pretty comfortable in taking some pretty decent risks because mm-hmm. the stakes aren't super high as far as like, if I'm wrong, you literally just do it over or you just like bail on the idea and you just do something else. Like, it's not like you know. You missed you missed bus call and now you're three hours late to load in <laughs> and like now your meet and greets fucked and you just lost like twenty thousand dollars like you don't it's right. not those kind of stakes in the studio right you know no and I mean for me like you know when when the production manager comes over and goes a little less hi hat little more overheads and then they leave and you're like sick that you know what I mean because the artists can't see their show they can't come Correct. to the house and watch their show so there's a lot more trust I think there. Um, but when those are the type of notes that I'm getting, you're like, all right, it's not fucked up, you know? <laughs> like, oh yeah, it's like, you know? <laughs> oh, just the hi hat, like, right, okay, right. That's like two so db, a two easy. db move, like, fix. They were yeah. happy, and then they went and did something yeah. else. It's like, cool, we're on the right. You probably path, just you know? grab an EQ, and then it's like, yeah, all yeah. right, that's yeah. fine. Like, so it's not, it's a, it's not a disaster out here. That's good to know, <laughs> you know. When it's like, what is what is this? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. a problem. Yeah. Luckily, never had that towards right. like, okay. And I think, and and I know we got to wrap up, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot, and kind of you know open up to the community for thoughts too. But hiking, uh, hiking, yeah, it's great. Also, cheese, get um, into hiking. Cheese yeah. is good. <laughs> yes, think about that a lot. But, but but seriously, when you have an artist who can hire any front of house they want, why do you instead of hiring any front of house you want, why do you go? Let's get the system engineer who's not who's not known professionally as a mixer. Let's have them be the mixer. And and I realize a lot of it is. Because I've sat through his shows for a year and I know what his shows sound like and I know how the camp works and the vibe that he's going for. And so you could bring someone in that's got a much higher skill level than I do at mixing. But I well, think you have to start over with the yeah, vibe. Yeah. And, and like, I think you have to like, learn a whole new person. Right. And I talked to production. They were like, you have the, you absolutely have the skills and like we know you and we know what you do and we know yeah. that you can do it. It's this. like dating and, and that, somebody. <laughs> yeah, man. And so I realized that it wasn't. <laughs> I don't want to about... start over with our favorite movie. <laughs> right, like, right, fuck right, that. right. Right. No, it's exactly what it is. And it's so it's not about having amazing mixing chops as much as they understand what I'm doing out there and they're comfortable with it. And I and I once I realized that was why I was there, um, it kind of changed my game a little bit. You sure. Know? Probably a little bit more confidence. I'm kind of in that mode too. I'm comparing I stopped, myself to I everybody. stopped being <laughs> fucking nervous about it and just like, yeah. hey, it's your gig to mix this fucking show, so mix the show. You know? Yeah. And just do your gig. And that's kind of where it's just do the gig. Yeah. <laughs> that's so, that's great advice. <laughs> I need to hear that right now. <laughs> All right. I'm stressed as fuck. We, we, we got we got we got we got three typical closing questions. I'm gonna ask Sam for hers for, for her. Uh Michael, you do you and then I'll close with mine. Okay. So All right. All right. JJ, so uh this is interesting because of your journey with Underworth. Um uh, what's something you know now that you wish you knew um, earlier on when working with them, or or, oh, or, 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 or career or career wise? Yeah, something something, something you some, wish you knew when you started. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, I sorry. It's okay, sorry. buddy. I, I got I, you. Butcher, I butchered that question, Sam. It's okay. <laughs> sorry, Sam. I think the scope of what actually being prepared really means Ooh, is what I wish one. I knew. That's mm-hmm. a great I did not, one. I did not expect the amount of behind the scenes work that it takes to pull off tours, festival shows, just the amount that it takes for a band to show up and play one show. Man, that's a whole episode. That's a man. whole episode. Oh man. So I think that's like I'm really starting to see that now of like even even when I got the front of house gig in twenty nineteen, it's like there was still so much that I just didn't know about the business and just mm how much it really has little to do with the hour and a half that I get behind a desk every yes. day. Hell yes. Hell yes. And that Hell there's yep. so much other shit that goes into making that hour and a half super great for me, psychologically, emotionally, some would say spiritually, like yeah. it's just, I wish, I wish I knew it, but I guess maybe now hindsight's 2020, I'm 30 age, you know, you learn, you grow, you figure out things and you just try to progress, you know? But yeah, if I would have known that then, I mean, I don't know how else I would have learned it without <laughs> fucking it all up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> all right, number two. Uh, we're all going to hop a plane and come down to visit you, man. Uh, where are you taking us for lunch? Food, food, Ooh, food, 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 We're going to food, King State. Food. Fact. We're actually going to make the rounds. We're going to go to King State, and we're going to go to Social House and get a quick drink. I don't know if anybody drinks. You know King State? King State what, is the what's... bar that Tim owns. Okay. Tim, Tim and Nate. Nate, the German from Amberlin. They both really? own a, co- a coffee bar no shit. that oh. has now expanded. They have a, a brewery part that's in St. Pete, which what? is across the bridge. So what's the, what's called the must order? What's the must order item? I mean, dude, they're cold brew. If you're coffee drinkers, the cold oh, brew yeah. you must have. Yes. Um, <laughs> I like crack. Cool. They, they yes. make everything themselves. All their beers made. They brew their own beer. Uh, they have natural wine. They have bougie shit up in there. Ooh, Ooh, fantastic fancy. food. Fantastic breakfast food. Oh hell yeah! I mean, they do pizza nights on Fridays. <laughs> All right, a breakfast for the breakfast record. For the record, religion, man. Oh yeah, they have great breakfast. Crotch Mike and Bougie. I think it's the first time both of those yeah. have been used yeah. on the podcast. Let's go, like, Chris. Can hey, we send them a T-shirt? It's about the breath. Yeah. yeah, send them a shirt. Crotch Mike, Bougie, and meat bags. That's what I want. I want yes. In the in the description. Boop. We'll send you a t-shirt, man. <laughs> oh, All right, man. Chris, bring it home, man. Bring it home. All right, all right, JJ, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define that? Oh, he got oh. the fidget. He got the fidget spinner out. <laughs> Wait, oh, is it? dude, my legacy. His leg just went to sleep. He just oh. What's my legacy? Do you want me to put it like a, like a newspaper headline or like? A- <laughs> How, how would you want to be remembered, man? How would you, how, yeah, it's, Cra- it's, craziest it's, motherfucker with a gap this side of the Mississippi. Yeah, there you, go. <laughs> you asked me, you put me on the spot. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's great. I love JJ, it. JJ, thank it. you, man. This yes. has been a real hey, pleasure. Thank you all. This has been a blast. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Absolutely.